0: Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow with Muin podcast. I am your host Muin Zafar and today we have Godwin Chan. Godwin is a recent grad with over three years of experience in nonprofit organization management, event planning, and Molecular biology research. He is the assistant event manager of Discover Your Personal Brand, which is a startup that offers personal branding events, development, training, and resources to empower working professionals to kickstart and maintain their own personal brand journey. Now, Godwin is currently working on his first book project, which is tentatively titled Digital Introverts. And he's focusing more on why today's most successful individuals harness introversion to thrive. Godwin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, and uh, look, I'm just ready to get this uh, recording out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. said, that sounds like I want I want this to be over <laughs> with, but I don't. Um, this is it's supposed to be good. <laughs> I, yes. yes. Well intentioned. Yes.
0: all right awesome so yeah let's get, uh, get right into it Karen, you graduated with a, a degree that has very little to do with the, the career that you're in now so talk a bit about how that sort of journey started and how did you end up in this uh, sort of uh, career path that you are in now
1: for sure so actually I have two degrees and <laughs> um, and I'll get more into that so growing up it was you know i i really had one singular goal in terms of my career and that was to become a physician or doctor right from um and going to medical school and all of that and that's not to say that you know it was a predestined path or a path that someone else chose for me it was a path that i naturally gravitated towards and that I was interested in at the time. Uh, simply because I was it was a it was an intellectual curiosity for me and it was one of my natural strengths my natural strengths lie um, in learning about the sciences and you know making insights from that and going into uh, undergraduate studies at the uh, at McMaster University actually here in Canada you know that was my goal you know going into you know a few different programs that were centered around. You know, biomedical, the biomedical sciences, biochemistry, that sort of related area. And it was not, you know, that type of environment where a lot of you know my classmates were headed towards a similar direction or the same direction, right? Within you know, there are different paths you can take, you know, to professional school and the healthcare industry, etc. etcetera. Et cetera. And so I remember doing, you know, I applied to medical school twice. First time was the closest I ever got was the waiting list, the final waiting list at the university of Toronto. And so, you know, I did the, I, I applied, did the interview at the university of Toronto and everything. And I, I was sitting at the, uh, in, in the waiting list for about a couple, a few weeks actually. And then I was subsequently, you know, uh, off the waiting list. And so that was an interesting experience. And so what I ended up hap- or doing was that, you know, this was in my fourth year, right, of, or my final year of undergraduate studies. And what I decided to do was to do a one-year master's degree at the University of Montreal. So in Montreal, obviously.
0: Hmm.
1: And and doing that kind of hybrid um, research slash course, course-based master's degree was an interesting experience as well. You know, it got me, you know, had me the opportunity to um, just, you know, move away from home and to you know experience life in a new in a new place, a new city, right? And mm-hmm. help me to think more more clearly about what I wanted to do, you know, with my life and things like that. And what I noticed was that during that one year, one year, one year, uh, three four months there, that I was actually more interested in going to business networking events and organizing them than actually doing work in the laboratory. So and that was a natural you know realization that you know that uh, decrease in interest in doing science not you know there's a difference between doing science and learning about science i'm still quite curious about you know recent developments in in scientific scientific knowledge but not necessarily actually doing that type of or line of work mm. right and so and that corresponded with the proportional increase in interest in business world entrepreneurship you know networking you know things like that and so i applied to medical school a second time through that, I got an interview with uh, McMaster University, and you know that after that second time, I just plain Jane didn't get it, right? And just to let just to let the audience know that there, there was a lot long period of yeah, introspection that took place, right within within each of these uh, application cycles, hmm. and then after the second rejection, you know, after very long kind of period of agonization, you know, you know especially with you know returning home. Uh, here in the greater Toronto area, and just thinking about it over a lot more clearly, I just decided to step away. It was the medical profession, while it is a noble profession, definitely, and is definitely a profession that is tailor-made for certain people and certain types of personalities, thought that it was not the best fit for me and my strengths and and my personality. And so I just decided to step away and 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 not apply anymore right mm. and so you know fast forward you know through up throughout these uh past couple of years i've been trying all kinds of different things as, as i'm sure you're you already know where with the uh different types of ventures or or businesses i tried to start and which you know ultimately didn't work out right it was all it was all you know i call this my experimentation period right, right? with a lot of uh yeah, different different things that I wanted to try out, right? You know, fa- um, failing each time, but learning a lot along the way, right? And and so I am always a clear proponent of failure being the best teacher of all, mm-hmm. right? Even even more so than than school actually. I mean, school, yes, you can fail, you know, quote unquote, you can uh, fail a course, right? You can uh, get ac- academic probation, things like that. But nothing, it's nothing really like you know failing in the real world where there are more clear real life consequences of what can happen. Like, for example, you lose your entire investment in, you know, while trying to start up a company, the, the money that you spent on, you know, a bunch of different fixed costs, that's never going to come back. Right. Because that's already been spent.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Or you try to time the stock market and it crashes and you lose your investment in the stock market. Like that, that's real life. Like, you know, like in terms of, Oh, that directly affects my bottom line. (laughs) right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so and also after a period where I was very adamant about being a startup founder like you know how it's it's you know the craze these days right in terms of hey you know I don't want to be a regular nine to five person I am going to start or build a startup company that is going to be a unicorn that's going to be worth over a billion dollars that kind of thing but the truth Mm -hmm. of the matter is you know not everyone can do that and especially not anyone who ha- doesn't have a lot of experience in their career or in, their, in, in the working world, and especially not someone who still, still owes you know, a lot of student debt <laughs> and, and someone who doesn't have a lot of uh, monetary resources currently, right? So right. the odds you know, of that, that kind of thing succeeding are not even one in a million. It's, like, it, it's really stacked against you right and mm-hmm. is it and the tricky balance is you know do you want to go through you know that you know really period of uncertainty in terms of you know am I going to have a, a, you know where basic needs are struggling to be met like in terms of you know can I even you know have, have money for dinner today right or do I can I pay for rent or things like that and and shooting in the dark in terms of you know, hey, maybe this thing will get a, you know, get a ROI or return on investment like five, 10 years down the line, right? And of course, you know, startups are notorious notorious money losers, right? Within the first few years of operation. And no one really knows if it's going to, right, be profitable or or whatever, right? And so, you know, and, and so what I eventually decided was that, Uh, you know, like you mentioned in my intro, right, that I decided to write a book. And, you know, reasons for this are are multifaceted, right? First of all, um, to me, uh, writing is a pastime that I greatly enjoy, right? And it's a natural strength for me. Um, And second, you know, I really wanted to uh, tell my story, right, in terms of how I uh, came from... Someone who was very, very introverted and very, very shy to someone, you know, who's willing to put himself out there and go to all kinds of different, um, you know, networking events and, and other you know, social activities and, and things like that, right? Um, and my purpose, you know, for this is to, you know, of course, not not only, uh, you know, generate residual income from this, but also to Really empower right those uh, or empower introverts to really take a bold stance and to you know realize that they can really you know fulfill all their all their wildest dreams uh, and that it's possible and that it's possible to to you know um, be more be more outgoing without compromising your inherent character right of, of being introverted right because again it's you know introversion is a function of where you derive your energy from and it's not about being socially anxious or shy and things like that right mm-hmm. so yeah that is my um recent life story in a nutshell <laughs>
0: <laughs> well thank you for thank you for sharing that and uh your book obviously carries uh, a strong message to to people who identify as introverts, which is great. But I want to I wanna dive into more the process of introspection that you went into after uh, failing to get into, uh, you know, the, the school, the medical school or the field that you wanted to get into. So what was the sort of the process that you, that you went through deciding, okay, well, this is not something that I'd realized that I want to do. And now what's what's the next step? like did you just dive into the dove into the first thing that you saw or did you like think a lot about okay, this is something that I can try And then what were some of the challenges with that like trying something new you know whether it was emotional or you're getting support from you know people around you? what was that like?
1: Sure, so the introspective process is. know it was a gradual process first of all and it was very uh it was very multifaceted so uh what would happen is that you know uh and and I and I initiated this this process even um even in my fourth year before I graduated from undergrad before or even during that first uh, medical school application cycle right In, in terms of what's my backup plan right if this doesn't work out right if um, if medical school isn't meant to be right and so you know it was really interesting process and i looked at the entire gamut of different types of professions that that had even had you know sparked a slight iota of interest in me right for example you know i actually ended up applying to a few different or considered a few different types of programs or educational programs after my fourth year so one of them being obviously the one-year master's degree in montreal uh, which i ultimately accepted another was uh the was a one-year master's program back at mcmaster university so a little side note on the degree that i ended up graduating with at mcmaster and it mm-hmm. was it was a new it was a relatively new program called uh, biomedical discovery and commercialization or bdc for short and actually i was part of the first full year cohort of that program so essentially i was a guinea pig (laughs) (laughs) like it was entirely new new program new you know new courses and 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 the professors were also you know it was it was a whole big lab experiment if you think about it it was a whole big experiment right at the time and for sure now it's much as a much more established program now but then it was all experimentation and and you know especially in the uh delivery of teaching material also and also uh, assessments right and it was a lot more project-based and a lot of more group work than your traditional than your traditional you know lecture style or lecture-based uh science courses right and, and what this program was it, it was a it's basically a marriage between the biomedical sciences and business in the context of pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. so basically you have two sides right how to make a drug and how to sell a drug both you know both both of them are 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 legal of course okay just making (laughs) that very clear Right. right and so um and so it was really interesting way you know one day you would see you know you would uh go into the laboratory and find or and um test you know, for the presence of of different types of uh, drugs or inhibitory action towards a specific drug target or things like that. So, you know, all you know, all you know, the all drugs that you or the majority of drugs that you see, you know, at your local pharmacy, are basically they have something called an active ingredient, and this active ingredient, you know, is is a is a molecule or chemical that uh, goes and Attaches, uh, you know, and and uh, aims itself at a particular drug target, and so that would be some, you know, something within the body, right? And it's usually an enzyme, right? Or or something that helps make reactions go faster, and so we would look at that, you know, in in the science portion, and then in the business portion, we would look at you know, marketing plans for, um, you know, how to, you know, how to market this drug, uh, you know, what channels of distribution do we want it to go through right? Is it a generic drug versus a uh, name brand drug, right? There's, there's a difference in that. And of course there different medicines are sold in under different trade names under different countries and jurisdictions, right? So you have, so, you know, major kind of clusters are, are, you know, like North America, uh, South America, right. Or Latin America, Middle East, North Africa, Europe, Asian, like, right, it's all, it's all different. And you have to, you know, navigate through a lot of complex regulatory approval processes as well, right? right. Because, um, it's very complicated. But where I was getting with that, yeah, it was a really unique program. And mm-hmm. and the master's component actually was that it was taking that you know, concept a step further, right? You would actually go and do an internship within a pharma company or a biotech company.
0: Right. Mm, okay so this was this was sort of the the master's program that you went yeah
1: through. that was a natural extension of the undergrad so this was another option right That right. I, could have been. I even applied for psychology phd program or master's programs or phd wow. programs, i don't remember um and that was a bit out of left field because i may not have had the or or taken a lot of you know psychology in my undergrad right but psychology has always fascinated me as a topic as a subject and of course mm-hmm. Being uh, someone who has who had who had a psychologist actually uh, helped me go through a lot of the uh, low self esteem, low self confidence issues in my younger days. Mm. Right? It was a very fascinating field for me, and I wanted to you know pay it forward. I even applied for you know just regular research masters uh, you know programs back uh, at McMaster. I even considered journalism. <laughs> uh, fun fact, and. Yeah, you, you, know, you know, that was the, uh, a lot of the things that I, I personally considered considered mm-hmm. after fourth year. And then, you know, a lot of it didn't, uh, you know, didn't pan, pan out or pursue or, or anything. And right. even during my master's year in Montreal, I was thinking of, you know, any type of career that I had, it's like gravitation towards. Like I was thinking, maybe I can even, you know, do stand-up comedy because that's something I was interested in. Right? Even I could be a, a public speaker or a musical artist or an actor or like all these different types of things. Right. Uh, because they sounded interesting to me and, and it doesn't hurt to try. Right. right. But and what happening with that. Was that I, I didn't end up doing a lot of these things and, and they were just, uh, I entertained a lot of thoughts. Right. But I was at a state of, you know, what is my direction? Mm-hmm. And so I never ended up ultimately pursuing a majority of these just because you know, I had a, had a harder time, you know, really considering one direction and sticking to it. Right. For me, I've always liked to be a multifaceted kind of person. Like, like even these days, it's possible to be more than one thing, if you know what I mean. Like right now we're podcasting, right. You're the host, I'm the guest, mm-hmm. um, right. And you're also an author, right. Mm-hmm. And you're also a dad, right. right. So there's, You know, people can take on, uh, you know, multiple different roles and put on multiple different types of hats. uh, Mm -hmm. These days, you don't have to be confined to just one career type, one nine to five job. Right. You can be so much more and you can fulfill your potential that much more by exploring a lot of different interests. Right. Outside of, let's say, your main job. Right. Or or your or your main thing.
0: Yeah. And I think a great example of that was how we first met because so you're someone who has, uh, you know, a truly unique background. And yet the first time I saw you, you were working for uh, for this company called Discover Your Personal Brand as sort of an assistant event manager. And and to to think that someone who has, you know, the sort of background that you just described to working as an sort of an event manager for a personal branding company, that's just something that you wouldn't really, you know, connect the dots right away. But yeah, there you were, you know, stepping outside of your comfort zone in in sort of this event uh, manager sort of position. So how did uh, that come about and how did you end up uh, working for, for this company where where we first met essentially?
1: (laughs) Okay. So I, so there's another aspect of the story that that I need to introduce and that is the, um, and that is what I started to do in the summer of 2017. Actually when I when I went to Montreal, was that I started to get much more active on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is obviously the the professional networking site, right? And so, uh, what I uh, what I noticed started noticing around you know June, July of that year was that a lot of people were starting to use it. Like, you know, the regular you know the usual conception of LinkedIn is just that it's a it's a dead network or dead social network, right? In the sense that, oh, people just go in, update their profile, like once in a blue moon mm-hmm. and they don't talk to anyone or they don't interact with any posts and they, they just get out. Right. And that's what a lot of people still continue to do. Uh, but what, uh, what, what started happening back then, you know, and, and you know, especially, uh, after the acquisition of, of LinkedIn by Microsoft, right. Um, was that people began to use it like, like a professional Facebook, right. In the sense that, uh, people will share professional insights, and uh, you know about all my all kinds of different things, and and so what ended up happening was that one of my good connections, right, uh, um, Swish Goswami, you probably know, you probably know him, right? Uh, as the, and, and, you know, he he he's the definition of Renaissance man, okay, in the sense that. Right. He, you know, he does a whole bunch of stuff. And, and of course his main role is uh, CEO and co-founder of a, of a company called TrueFan. Right. And so he was the first one to encourage me to be more active on LinkedIn. Right. Mm. Uh, to do the posting and, and things like that. So I naturally got into it because I thought I found it super intriguing. It was interesting to me. Right. And. Uh, um,
0: and then how did you end up uh, finding, uh, discover your personal brand and working for them?
1: Yeah. So anyways, about around that time as well, there was a new movement that popped up on LinkedIn. It was called LinkedIn Local, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was started by a woman in Australia named Anna McAfee. And so she was, you know, in her little town of Coffs Harper um, in Australia. And she really wanted just to meet her local connections, right? In person, like her local LinkedIn connections in person. And so she just put out a random, you know, LinkedIn post one day saying, you know, why why don't we do this right? Why don't you know we just um, gather and then uh, she ended up putting you know a little innocuous hashtag that ended up being so much more so much bigger than she ever could have anticipated. It was hashtag LinkedIn local, and so that post blew up essentially, right? And so and so she had her event with around uh, thirty individuals, and so and so that was the first one, and. Um, you know there are a few other people uh, that essentially hop on hopped on the bandwagon, except it wasn't really a bandwagon back then. <laughs> hmm. um, and so you know you had events in London in the UK, and then you had events in Brussels, Belgium, and then you had Swish, who um, it was actually in New York City at the time. And so he you know he, uh, you know he hosted you know LinkedIn Local there, right? And so because it. You know it grew it, it was really an organic movement it just came out of nowhere and then all of a sudden everyone wants to host linkedin locals of their own
0: right and
1: so actually i hopped on the bandwagon actually and so i was an early adopter in the sense that you know out, under one of swish's posts promoting the uh you know one of his linkedin locals you know i commented essentially it was hey why don't we do this uh, uh kind of thing in montreal because at the time, I was new to the city. I didn't know a lot of people there, right, if any, actually, right? And so I, I was using it as a way to help further my brand, but also to, you know, help connect the Montreal business community. And so what Anna actually ended up doing was introducing me to a gentleman named John Merritt. And so he's a, he's a Montreal lifer, right? He's been there uh, basically his, his entire life. So he's very well integrated within the community. And he was itching to do something similar. Right. Um, and so we teamed up to, um, you know, produce the first few uh, LinkedIn local events in Montreal. And so we had, you know, I turnout about, you know, about 30 to 40 people each time. And we had, you know, one or two guest speakers talk about, you know, all things, personal branding, uh, how to optimize your LinkedIn profile, uh, mm. things like that. And you know, there's a lot of great networking opportunities. Right. And so, and so we eventually added a, you know, a few more people to the team. And then of course, once my, um, master's degree was over and had to move back home. Right. And, and now that, to the state, right there, I think they've just, finished, as of the time of filming, they have just, uh, finished their 11th event, 11th, Mon- uh, linked to local Montreal event. Wow. So it was great. Right. And that, mm-hmm. you know, this, um, Type of thing is continuing, you know, even without the, uh, you know, one of the original uh, people who started it, right? And so I came back here, and I already knew about uh, LinkedIn Local Toronto because I went to the first ever one, actually, you know, mm-hmm. when 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 Bobby Umar, right, the CEO of discovery Personal Brand, the team was uh, was already kind of doing it, right? And then they did a few different ones as well, and so naturally, of course, I wanted to continue my involvement in LinkedIn Local, and so. Course I, I, you know, uh, expressed my interest to Bobby, and um, and after a series of onboarding, you know, steps, you know, I was put on, uh, I was uh, welcomed to the team, and so throughout this past year, I've had the great privilege of helping to organize these, you know, these LinkedIn local events, and the type of organization is different because DYPB, or Discover Your Personal Brand, is a much larger organization than the LinkedIn LinkedIn uh, local Montreal team. Right. And it's meant to be a company as well. Right. So, um, and so the, so there are different objectives right there as well. So between a company and a, and essentially a group of people who just want to gather together. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a, I think a truly unique story. And then one thing to point out is that it all started from you just being more active on LinkedIn. And then that sort of took you on this whole new path of, starting uh, LinkedIn local events in Montreal and then coming back to Toronto, finding uh, LinkedIn local meetup events in Toronto and then working for DYPB, which is discover your personal brand. So yeah, like even uh, the message here is that, you know, sometimes when you think that your actions or even like a comment on social media is not meaningful, it can lead up to like so many different paths that you can't really imagine at the time. So I think that's a truly unique takeaway from your from your story. So now we're we're sort of reaching um, the the end of our recording time here. So I want to ask oh, you. Oh, don't know, play that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're tra- uh, kind of have to ask you to uh, you know give a message from the heart, and I want sort of want it to be focused on around the message of your of the book that you're writing, which is Digital Introverts. So something from there. That you want to convey to the audience, you know, who, who sort of also at a at a crossroads with regards to a career. What would you say to them? What have you learned through your experiences?
1: Yes, for sure. So, mainly my advice uh, or the message that I'm trying to send, at least through the the book, the you know, digital introvert is introversion and extroversion uh, as as personality traits have you know existed ephemerally for as long as humans have have been around this earth but of course it has only been uh categorized by name by carl Jung, of course right over 100 years ago Mm. and so it works and is never going away anytime soon like personality is it's a part of you right and it's very of course yes there are complex interplays between your genetics and the environment on how you know your disposition ends up but a lot of it is quite innate right and 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 these, uh, and these types of habits are hard to break. Like, you know, if you're someone who just likes, you know, to stay home, you know, a lot of the time isn't going to be a party animal, right, the next day, right? It doesn't work like that, right? right? And so my advice really is just to, it's very simple. It's just to be yourself, right? You don't have to compromise your core identity to fit the mold of someone else or someone else's expectations right? Yes, you know, you may have to have some compromises, right, in terms of, you know, your job requires you to use the phone, right, and and pick up the phone. You you may want to, you know, get more comfortable doing that, right, because it it impacts, right, the bottom line of the particular company you're working for. But, you know, in the same vein, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, for example, feel guilty if you have to, you know, decline an in invitation right uh, from your friends to go out on a you know friday night or something mm-hmm. if you're not you know if you're not feeling like it right or if you have expended all your social energy right during the day and that you don't have any of that energy left to give right and of course i've said this many times introverts are like phones right when you're drained when your battery is drained you're literally drained right mm-hmm. and but you know what ends up happening if you force yourself to go is that you're not going to have a good time there your friends are going to call you a debbie downer and it's <laughs> not going to be it's not going to be a fun experience overall right and so why not just save save the hassle of doing that by you know saving it for next time when you're much more up to going out right so or you can actually just not go out and just bring your friends over to your house or something right mm-hmm. that that's I think that's a great compromise.
0: All yeah. That,
1: right? uh, and it yeah. helps you save money.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true and that's truly a beautiful message about staying true to yourself and uh knowing yourself and what your needs are at any given time. So, Godwin, thank you so much for being on the show. Before we go, I want to ask you to share um you know where can people find you, your social media profiles and uh you know how can they reach out to you.
1: Yes, for sure. So, there are two types of introverts in this world one ones who are nowhere to be found on the internet and those (laughs) who are everywhere on the internet so i belong in the latter category and so you know and i'm basically on uh most major social platforms so you can find me you know through uh, facebook twitter linkedin instagram and you know a lot of it you can find by my name it's uh it's Godwin Chan so Godwin <laughs> Chan mm-hmm. is pretty uh, is pretty easy to find it's just um, on on LinkedIn and Twitter you can you know find me with uh like Godwin chan37 so and on Facebook it's Godwin H S Chan and on Instagram it's actually G underscore protein mm-hmm. and so I have a quick story on that so yeah. uh so G proteins are an actual thing like they exist in your body and so my my friend one of my friends gave me that nickname when uh, we were taking a cell biology class together in the second year of undergrad and so Mm. they saw G proteins he just ended up calling me G protein (laughs) (laughs) and so I guess that name stuck and people seem to like that name and always wonder uh, where that where that came from and so that's for the record that's where it came
0: from <laughs> uh, i see right? okay. yeah i've always yeah. wondered that too and uh, now i know
1: <laughs> right you can craft anything that you want into a, a story
0: uh-huh. right
1: and that's the beauty of life that you know we you know as as humans right as humanity we used to pass down history in the form of oral stories like it's the same it's the same deal stories you know grip people gravitate people uh, and mm-hmm. we should tell more stories and that is the whole point of this podcast is the share stories really and to share lessons that i've picked up along the way that can you know hopefully uh help uh those of you listening if even i can help just one individual um that's a blessing to me
0: mm, there you go all right so um i believe you've shared all your social media information now or is there more
1: i'm not on tiktok no
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah all right I, yeah, yeah no weird. i'm not i'm not either
1: you might you might need you might need to get the uh, chinese version doyan when you're in china
0: (laughs) all right um well thank you Garvin, for being on the show i want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the grow with moon podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode feel free to leave a rating a comment if you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moin Podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.